1: like yo know, oh, i have to have you know like a travel shirt and travel pants and it has to be all nylon so it can be quick drying and all that stuff now i don't give a crap yeah. if someone gives me free t-shirt at a conference that i'm wearing that t-shirt yeah. i mean i truly i don't my packing advice is just put stuff in a bag and go
0: Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part, it won't break your bank. And now, the Budget-Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen.
2: Hey guys, welcome to episode number 51 of the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. We are on the second in a series of four episodes about long-term travel right now. So if you missed last week's with Adrian, um, catch that one. That was, uh, really great for prep and planning and everything. Um, that kind of goes into what happens before the trip and and logistics when you're on the trip. And today we actually have today is actually <laughs> we're we're talking with Gary Arndt. and Gary is a world renowned photographer. He's actually the only, travel blogger to have been awarded Travel Photographer of the Year by both the Society of American Travel Writers and the North American Travel Journalists Association. And he has been on the road for about eight and a half years until um, what he likes to call he's, he's slowing down this year. And wait until you hear the list of places he's going that is slowing down for him. But Today happens to be Gary's birthday. So you guys should all go wish him happy birthday on social media. August 24th, the day of publishing. <laughs> and um, anyway, so here we go with Mr. Gary Arndt. All right. I'd like to welcome Gary Arndt to the show. Gary, thanks so much for being here today. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: So one of the questions I have for you, according to your website... It says you're in Wisconsin right now. Is that true? It is true. And tell us about that because you're you're officially back, aren't you? In uh, a
1: sense, back from what?
2: Back from your world tra- from your constant traveling. No, I'm kind
1: of decided to to slow down a little bit. Okay. Uh, one, I was getting really burnt out after doing this for eight years, and two, I have a lot of business opportunities and other things I've been kind of letting slip because I'm constantly in hotel rooms. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the opportunity, it's making more sense for me to just cut back on my travels a little bit. And I think eight and a half years of constant travel is pretty good.
2: I would have to agree. I don't know anybody who's been on the road longer than that. So... (laughs) Um, but of course that's why I asked you to be here today so thank you so much for showing up I'm actually you're you're part of a, a mini series that I'm doing on my podcast about long-term travel and last week we actually started with a girl who's been who's been on the road for two years and we just kind of talked about you know the planning and the preparation and I'm I'm really interested in in what that looked like for you as well so um I guess before we get started, do you wanna will you please share with the audience just a little something about yourself, where you come from and and who you are?
1: Um, sure. I'm a native of Wisconsin. I lived in the Twin Cities in Minnesota for about 17 years before I started to travel. That's where I went to school. I started a internet company back in nineteen ninety-four, a very early one, and I sold that in nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, I started a couple other companies at the very height of the dot-com bust which is a horrible time to start companies. (laughs) Went back to school for two years, studied geology and geophysics and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided to sell my home and travel around the world.
2: So you say that so simply, but I know there had to be a lot behind that simple sentence right there. How, what was it that made you decide to do that? Where is just because you didn't know what to do. Did you think that travel would be the answer for you?
1: It was just something that I enjoyed doing. Um, okay. My first real travel experience, I was pretty old. I was 29 years old when I got my passport. And when I sold my business, I sold it to a, uh, an international company. And I convinced them to send me around to the world to their various offices to talk about internet application development. And Brilliant. I got to go to Japan, <laughs> Taipei, Singapore, Paris, Frankfurt. Brussels and London, and that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And wow, it was an experience that stuck with me, and it always kind of was in the back of my mind saying that I would like to do something like that again
2: yeah, so how long how long between that and uh and your kind of eight and a half years how long did it how long was that?
1: Oh, so I traveled in nineteen ninety nine Okay. And I, I that sticks out because I remember taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower that had 1999. They had a big sign on it at the time for the countdown to 2000. Oh, yeah. I took another trip the next year to Iceland, just kind of on my own. Uh, 2005, I went to Argentina as part of a scientific expedition. And that was pretty... So I did some travel in between, but not a lot. And then I started traveling full time in 2007.
2: Okay. And so, when you started traveling full time in 2007, is that at the same? Is is that when you're talking about you sold your house? Did you sell everything and just start traveling?
1: Not everything, but I sold the house. Yeah, I turned over the keys to my house, sold the con, uh, signed the contract on March 13th, 2007. That's sort of what the day I consider my travels beginning.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And what other kind of preparations went into it?
1: The biggest thing was actually selling the house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the decision to travel, I think I made that in 2005. So it was about 18 months. I think I want to say it was like October, September 2005. Uh, the idea came to me. And then it was just a matter of wrapping things up. I had to wrap up the, the courses I were taking uh, at the time at the University of Minnesota. Had to sell the house. Had to figure out what to do with my stuff. Um that was the biggest thing. And most of that did not involve planning the trip per se. It was just tying up the loose ends that I had created in my old life.
2: Right. Which is important. Though It's actually, we were just talking about this, how determining what those ties are is a step in itself. Because you have to figure out how to, you know, basically like tie, you know, figure out how to take care of them before you can take that next step.
1: Right. And you know, your circumstances are going to be different. I didn't have a wife or a kids or anything. Mm -hmm. So my ability to just go, uh, I didn't have a lot stopping me. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people have different obligations. Um, I didn't have, I also didn't have a real job. Um, I was, like I said, I was in school at the time. Uh, I had some money from when I sold my business. So I didn't have to worry about those things either. So the circumstances Mm -hmm. that I faced were very different. You'll meet a lot of people who travel around the world, and they tend to be in their 20s. And their circumstances are different, but what they share is that they tend not to have a whole lot of obligations. They haven't put in a lot of time at a job. Uh, They probably don't have a family yet. And maybe they don't have as much money saved up, but they don't have anything holding them down either.
2: Right. Which... Is a great point to step back and say, well, why not? Did you know yeah. when you left that you were going to be tra- How long did you think you were going to be going for? Maybe I that's was, a better I question. I told
1: part. everyone I'd be gone for a year, mm-hmm. but secretly I thought it would be two years.
2: Okay, two years. And eight and a half years later, here we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what was it that kept you going?
1: Uh, I just saw no reason to stop. I liked what I was doing of uh, it, it kind of grew into something for me that was bigger than I thought. Uh, the website kind of took off and, you know, I was, I had a lot of people following me. I became a better photographer and it became something that I was known for and I enjoyed doing. So I, I really saw no reason to quit.
2: Mm-hmm. As you travel, did you, I am just so curious about this. Did you carry a backpack? Did you carry a suitcase?
1: Uh, when I started, I had a backpack. And I okay. think it was like 2010 when I kind of gave it up.
2: The because, backpack? Okay. Yeah,
1: because I realized I'm not mountain climbing. <laughs> I'm really just going from city to city. And there's never a time when I'm not on a paved surface usually. Okay. So – and I had a camera bag. So I absolutely refused to put a backpack on the front of my body because I just think that looks <laughs> stupid. So <laughs> – And I realized, well, so what if I get a suitcase? So I just got like a duffel bag type thing with wheels. And I've been using that basically for, you know, the last five years.
2: Wow. How big is it? Does it have like liters or or they don't size them that way?
1: I could probably find out while we're sitting here talking.
2: Um, I'm just curious because, you know, packing, especially on my blog, packing is a huge subject. Um, People really struggle with that. And here you are years into your travels and, you know, finding finally figuring out what bag works best for you, which is a huge step in itself. Um, But what what kind of things did you carry? I mean, I know you had your camera bag with all of your camera equipment. um, But what kind of you know, what what else did you have with you? What did you put in your bag?
1: Um, a lot of stuff I didn't end up using
2: really when I I started,
1: I obsessed about what I was going to carry. And over time it has become less and less of an issue.
2: And probably Uh, less and less of a mass in your bag too, right?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's mainly clothes and camera gear. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh Uh, Like I had like, yo, I have to have, you know, like a travel shirt and travel pants and it has to be all nylon so it can be quick drying and all that stuff. Now I don't give a crap. Yeah. If someone gives me free t-shirt at a conference that I'm wearing that t-shirt. Yeah. I mean, I truly, I don't, my packing advice is just put stuff in a bag and go because mm-hmm. if you don't take enough, well, then you can buy it pretty much wherever you go. You know, they do, yeah, they have stores everywhere. Yep. And if you take too much, well, then either get rid of it or deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, that's my advice. I think people fret about it a lot. And, you know, I, I'll go on, uh you know, leave for a month or something now or more. And I'll just pack the night before. And it's just like mm-hmm. throwing crap in a bag. I pretty much just know how to do it. And there's not a whole lot that I, I really worry about anymore.
2: I would have to agree with you. I mean, I, I, I'm similar. I pack the night before as well. Basically, no matter how long the trip is, but I also have gotten to a point where I'm used to it now and I know what my go-to outfits are. I actually have been joking lately that my readers know my entire wardrobe because it's always the same clothes in all the pictures and I always create packing posts with just lists of everything that I bring with me, you know, just to try and help people out so they can see what it is that I brought to such and such place for however long a time and what worked and what didn't. That's what I try and... um, I think it's a little people.
1: different for women in terms of the clothes they bring. Oh yeah. Uh, I know a lot of women who will bring like a like a scarf or something. For whatever reason, women who travel always have a scarf. <laughs> yes. Not not like a winter scarf, but just like a you know like a, a scarf scarf. And um, I, I always see them on women who travel, and I never see them on women otherwise. It's amazing.
2: Oh, uh, I live in mine. I'm wearing mine right now, actually, and it's like summertime in Montana. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they'll usually have some sort of, I don't know, uh, usually a black dress
2: mm-hmm.
1: that if they they need to wear a dress, they can wear that. and They can do different things with it or something. And, you know, I just have T-shirts, a button up shirt, a pair of shorts and a pair of pants. And that's it. And mm-hmm. some underwear, of course.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're resourceful. If you end up somewhere where you need something, like you said, you can buy it. We we're chatting about that in the last episode, too, because I think a lot of people underestimate what the rest of the world looks like. And they think they're not going to be able to get things um, easily somewhere. But that's just not really the case. You can always kind of find, you know, the things that you need, no matter where you are.
1: Well, I've had people ask me, like, you know, oh, do they have, you know, toothpaste and, and shampoo in foreign countries? I'm like, yeah, they, they do. <laughs> but, you know, they if have Wi-Fi, never, too. <laughs> you've never traveled anywhere before. Mm-hmm. You just don't know.
2: Exactly. Because
1: the images we see on TV of developing countries, we're going to see, like, people in Africa... In a famine, who have nothing, nothing, and they honestly think like that's that's the whole world. And it's like, no, those are very extreme cases in the poorest of the poor, poor, poorest parts of the world. You know, even in a developing country that's poor, they they still have all the you know soap and toiletries and everything else that people use.
2: Mm-hmm. And a lot of them carry cell phones. And yeah, yes, yeah, I yeah.
1: Where's the twenty first century?
2: Yeah, exactly. Very true. So, how long would you typically spend in a place when you were when you were on the road? Was it really constant, or did you kind of stick in one place it's, for it's a while? Ch-
1: it's changed over time. So the first you know I left the United States until I returned. That was about two years. So that was until two thousand and nine I came back. And during that time, you know it depended because I started my I did what a lot of people don't do is I started my travels in the Pacific. A lot of people go to Europe. They go to Southeast Asia. I started in like Tahiti and Easter Island and Tonga, Samoa, places like that. I spent maybe like three days in Tonga. I spent like two weeks in Samoa. I spent a month and a half in Vietnam. Spent a lot of time in Bangkok over the years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Spent like three months there in 2010. Um, so it, it depends. You know, sometimes you just go to a place and you stay there a couple days and you visit. Um, Macau – I spent one day there. <laughs> I didn't stay overnight, but during that day it was Christmas Day, uh 2007. I pretty much saw all of Macau. There's not a whole lot to it. It's mm-hmm. a pretty small place. Um you know, I saw everything I wanted to see and I took the first ferry there from Hong Kong in the morning, took the last one back at night. And uh it was, you know, it was a pretty substantial visit even though it was only one day.
2: Right. I'm I'm kind of a fast traveler in that I get bored pretty quickly. And so I I can understand that, you know, but I also I can also see getting somewhere and maybe really enjoying it. And so then in that case, would you kind of would you get like an apartment for a month at a time or so or? No,
1: I like when I was staying in Vietnam, I ended up staying in Saigon for like a month. And what I did is uh, when I got off the bus, there was a woman there with a book and she said, do you need a place to stay? I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) And she had pictures of her guest house. And I said, how much is it? She goes, $15 a night. And I stayed there for like a month. Okay. I got some stuff done. I had to buy a new laptop. I had to get some other things taken care of. And I just kind of rested.
2: Yeah. How Did you find that it took you a while to kind of adjust to, I almost don't want to use the word routine, but the routine of the constant travel in that There were probably some things that you needed to keep up with business wise or Internet or things like that, or even exercise or diet or any of that. Did it take you um, a while to kind of get used to keeping up with yourself when you were on the road?
1: Uh, The biggest thing that took adjustment was getting over the idea that you're not going home. Because when most people go on a trip, in the back of their mind is that, well, and then I get to go home. At some point, the trip will end. And then I'm done. Maybe it's a bad trip and you're glad you're going home or it's a great trip and you're disappointed you're going home. But either way, you're going home. And it took me a couple months to get over that idea that I'm not going home. This is it right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And that took a while. As for a routine, that's been very hard. Um, I've gained quite a bit of weight over the last eight years just because I'm constantly eating at restaurants. Uh, It changes dramatically based on where I am. So if I'm in Asia, I'll lose weight. Uh, if I'm in places where I'm walking a lot, but if I'm in the United States or Australia, you, the food doesn't tend to be as good. Uh, eating in airports is never good. Mm-hmm. So that's been a constant struggle as well. And you're always changing time zones and you're moving different hotels. So that, that's that been a huge problem. And that's one of the reasons I'm slowing down is quite frankly, I need to, to take better care of myself and uh, take care of business.
2: Hmm. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because that's one of the things that I struggle with on the road, too. I mean, I love, for example, I go I do yoga often. I run, you know, and when you when you travel, okay, where are you going to fit these things in, you know, or um, I mean, a lot of people have specific diets they have to stick to. And so that's that's different because they make sure that happens. But if it's an option, it's a lot harder to stick to things sometimes. And so that's that's one of my biggest struggles. And I actually have a, a trip coming up here. This is why I'm doing this long-term um, travel series is because I'm actually leaving in September and I'm buying a one-way ticket. And I haven't done this in a while. So I'm, I'm loving this kind of conversation around it again to get my mind back into it. But one of my biggest struggles has been that, has been to figure out Where does this fit in to my life, the things that I want to keep up because they are what make me tick, you know, outside of travel, of course, but those things that you just have to pay attention to. So it's very real. I think a lot of people don't think about that because you go you go traveling and it's like you get that vacation mindset, you know, and
1: yeah, it's not a vacation mindset for me anymore. It's just Mm -hmm. it's life. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, they think that when you're traveling, you're constantly on vacation, but that's not the case.
2: Well, and you're going to and that's one of the things that when it comes to taking care of yourself, you have to get over that. It's like, well, no, we're not. Yeah. Like you said, we're not going home. Time to, you know, make some changes and start implementing these things on the road. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing for me to. Me to figure out as I travel, because I really want to, for example, keep running and, you know, keep doing races. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe if I start signing up for races all over the world, it'll it'll it'll, you know, motivate me to keep keep running, just keep training, keep in it. Um, but was there anything that you did specifically to help you get over or adjust to that? OK, I'm not going home mindset. Was there anything that you kind of made your go to um, like an activity or something? No,
1: uh, it's just something you just need to accept. Mm-hmm. You're not going home. And, uh, you know, even though I, I've been uh, staying with my mom the last, uh, for much of this summer, uh, just being in one place, and I, I, I see myself getting into a routine, and it's always not necessarily even a good thing. Um, it's easy to kind of slack a, a bit. I just got back from a trip uh, the last two weeks. I was in Florida, Texas, and California, and it was very different just to to kind of be on the road again.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um. When did cause you're in a you're do, do they call it a wanderer in residence for G Adventures? Yep. When did that start for you?
1: Uh, it started in 2010, I think. Uh, I was contacted. I was I went through Toronto and I had lunch with uh, Bruce Poon Tip, who's the the founder of the company. And he talked about wanting to do a program for bloggers, and they announced it in 2010. And uh, I've been associated with G Adventures ever since. Uh, I Mm -hmm. travel with them a couple times a year. Uh, I've done some speaking, you know, all over the world on their behalf and uh, contribute to their website and basically act as a a brand ambassador for them.
2: Okay. So has that helped to fund some of your travels along the way?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I pretty much make money now from, from the website. And most of it comes from doing sponsorships and endorsements.
2: Okay. Right. So the, the sort of typical kind of travel blogger scene almost. Um, and then uh, your photography. Not
1: typical. I mean, a lot of the, the typical stuff involves like sponsored posts and sponsored tweets and stuff. I don't do any of
2: that. Well, okay. I mean, neither do I. So I, I guess typical is relative, <laughs> but And then your photography has really um, I know you said you became a better photographer and you were recognized as um, travel photographer of the year by the Society of American Travel Writers. Is that right?
1: Yes. And the North American Travel Journalists Association. I was the only person ever to to do it with both.
2: Congratulations. That's amazing. And And I should say
1: it's not a travel blogger award. It's a travel photographer award, and a right. lot of the people I was competing against are like shooting for National Geographic and, and a lot of magazines. Mm. In fact, I was the first blogger ever to win.
2: Good for you. Way to represent.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it, it, that's actually one of the reasons I did it, or at least, you know, s- submitted it, because I got kind of sick of hearing about, oh, bloggers, you know, they're all crap and they don't do yeah. anything. It's like, well, okay, here you go.
2: Mm-hmm. No kidding. There.
1: I did this now, mm-hmm. now you do it. And <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the truth is travel photography and travel writing has always been a very glamorous profession, or at least it's been perceived as such by the, the population mm-hmm. because they view, you know, traveling to exotic places and, and whatnot. And a lot of people always wanted to do it, but a lot of people were not able to do it because there were only so many outlets and you had gatekeepers and there were just not a lot of people that were allowed to do it. Uh, The the pressure made sure that it was never a lucrative profession, but some people were able to do it. Well, now anybody can do it and you can start your own website. And the result is there are some people out there who are doing great work. You know, they're excellent writers and excellent photographers, but then there's a lot of people doing crap Mm -hmm. and that's just reality, right? You know, when everyone's doing anything and I don't have a problem when they say there's a lot of bad bloggers because I think that's true simply due to the fact that anybody can do it. But it I, w- what I don't like is when they, you know, paint with a broad brush and they say all bloggers are like that because I think that doing something online, it's just it's just a different medium, that's all. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people now including myself who got their start and basically developed online and we've seen absolutely no reason to ever work in print.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that one only because I'm in the digital. I mean, I'm definitely in the online world as well. I haven't dabbled in print, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely think that you're, you're right to not want to group everybody into the same. I mean, there are millions of, there are so many millions of blogs out there, so they can't, you can't possibly, you know, put paint with a broad brush. So you said, um, but congratulations on your, uh, achievements because it's amazing. Um, And I know that you have a lot of, you have a great following on social media and you post a, is it a different picture every day?
1: Yeah, I've been doing that now. It'll be eight years in October.
2: It's amazing that you have that many photos. (laughs) Sometimes I struggle to even figure out what to post to Instagram, (laughs) but I guess eight and a half years is is a different story.
1: Oh I have I have so many photos on my laptop right now. I have 13,000 photos, some of which go back three years that I've, that I just haven't edited or uploaded yet. Mm-hmm. So I got plenty of stuff. Mm-hmm. I got I got content for a long time. yeah, which is also one of the the things that went into the decision to cut back on traveling because quite frankly, I got enough stuff and stories and uh, photos to last me quite a while.
2: Yeah, and it's time to create some products, right?
1: Yeah, it's actually what I've been working on this summer. Uh, got a new website out the door. I uh, started a new podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to be launching a travel photography training course, an online course later this year.
2: Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you how these things are going. Did you actually get your your podcast launched?
1: Yeah. Awesome. I uh, just released episode four.
2: Okay. And what's it called?
1: The Global Travel Conspiracy.
2: Ooh, okay. I'll so put a link to up. these things on the show notes page. And... uh Your travel photography course, um, when is that going to go up? When it's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Great Um, answer.
1: (laughs) All of the video has been shot. I have to do some voiceover work. Then we have to do some more editing. Uh, Then I got to build the site and and put it up. But um, a lot of the hard part has already been done. So after TBEX Europe, I spent a week in um, Spain and France shooting. Um, we're going to probably end up with about four hours worth of video, uh, instructional video going over things. And it's going to be a lifetime course. Mm. Meaning when you sign up, I'll be putting out more modules, doing interviews with some great photographers, all that stuff will be free. And then there's also going to be opportunities for workshops and seminars and, uh, tours in the future as well.
2: Awesome. That sounds great. And do you see yourself kind of on a break from this constant traveling at the moment? Um, do you think you'll get – do you think you'll hit the road again?
1: Well, I'm still going to travel far more than most people.
2: Right. But I've I mean like
1: myself traveling, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: three to six months a year. Okay. But mm-hmm. the problem I wound up with is that, you know, I'd have a trip scheduled. You know, a good example is I'm going to the Galapagos Islands in early September and then in early October – so I'll be there for 10 days – early October, I go to Chile and I'll be uh, going there for a mm-hmm. conference, but I'll also be on a ship going around Cape Horn, doing yeah. some other things. And that kind of gives me two weeks of, of, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would encounter this a lot. And when you don't have a place to go, you end up staying in hotels and whatnot. And, you know, even an affordable hotel, if you figured the cost of that per month, That's a very expensive apartment. Mm -hmm. Like you're spending $100 a night on a hotel, which is reasonable for a hotel. That's $3,000 a month in rent.
2: Right, which is crazy.
1: And you're working out of a hotel and the Wi-Fi is going to stink and it's not going to be a good work environment. You're probably going to have to switch several times. So yeah, I think I'm probably going to be done traveling full time, but I'm still going to be traveling a lot. And when I do travel, it's just going to be more focused. So 2016, I'm looking at, uh, I think, a trip through the Balkans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: where basically it'll be I'll schedule this amount of time, probably two weeks, fly into Serbia, rent a car, drive around, uh, visit a lot of the, the countries and world heritage sites in the region I haven't been, been to, and then uh, it will be done. I can go back, edit my photos, you know, write my stories, and, and do my podcast about it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I don't
1: have a system like that in place right now.
2: Right. Yeah, that's going to be – I feel like it sounds like it's going to be kind of a refreshing change for you. Did you, when you, when did you actually come back? Just a couple months ago, right?
1: Well, I never really came back. It's, I mean, I've, you know, visited my family every year, Mm -hmm. uh, except for 2008, I guess. Um, So it, 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 like I said, the travel has really changed. It hasn't been necessarily one continuous going from here to there. Uh, So like this year, I spent three months in Spain in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, it wasn't really a a home base. And I think that's just what I'm going to be doing. Like I said, I'm still going to be traveling, still going to be traveling way more than most people. It's just not going to be a full-time thing.
2: And your home base is going to be in the U.S.?
1: Probably, but I don't know where. That's something I have to figure out. Cool. And, you know, it's weird when you basically can go anywhere you want. It's... (laughs) It's, you know, it's pretty daunting trying to pick a place to live.
2: Yeah. Even says the man who's been nearly everywhere. (laughs) You
1: know, it's a question I get a lot is like, what place would you want to live? And it's always hard to answer because I don't know, you know, picking a place to live permanently is is rather difficult. Even if I end up getting an apartment somewhere, I don't know if I'm going to, how long I'll be there. Mm -hmm. It may just be for a year or two.
2: And that's okay. It doesn't have to be permanent at all. I mean, nothing about this is going to be permanent. I'm, I'm sure, you know. Um, I am curious if, because have you spent more time in the States recently than you have in recent years Um, with your slowdown?
1: No, in 2009, so I went around the world and then I immediately started a really long three month trip that took me 20,000 miles uh, through the U.S. and Canada. And during that trip, I visited a whole bunch of national parks and World Heritage Sites, 2010, I took a similar trip uh, to the eastern United States, went up to the northern tip of Newfoundland uh, through the Atlantic provinces of Canada. 2013, I did a island hopping trip through the Caribbean that took a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I did a big 12,000 mile trip that took me all the way up to the Northwest Territories of Canada. And that was a little mm-hmm. under three months. So I've been doing stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a lot in North America to see still.
2: Yeah. No kidding. Okay. So you actually, so it's, it's been like just a lot of kind of back-to-back trips. Some of them being longer than, than others basically is how you're doing it. Right.
1: Yeah. I, like I said, now I'm basically gonna, I don't know. I've been calling it like an expedition model
2: Mm -hmm.
1: where I'm going to plan a trip to this place, you know, so I'm thinking one for the Balkans, one for the Caucasus, maybe, uh, the Baltic countries, or I'll set out a plan, and there'll be a beginning and an end, and maybe maybe it will last up to, you know, I think a maximum would be like two months. Um, but when I'm done, I'm then going to take time off to process everything and 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 do some work.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is important. That's important. Good. Um. Well one one last question for you. Um the reason I'm doing this is because I know a lot of my listeners are are curious about long-term travel and you gave some amazing advice about packing. I love put stuff in a bag and go. Um I'm definitely going to quote that. But would you give any other kind of general advice to people considering long-term travel for themselves?
1: I think that every single person if you're listening to this, you probably live in a developed country or are very well off in a developing country uh, can spend at least three months of their lives on a single trip, a single trip, not in your country, not living as a foreign exchange student, not, you know, being an expat working somewhere, but actually traveling. And I think that everyone should be able to do that, whether it's something you do after college, whether it's something you do when you're retired or whether you take a career career break, uh, everyone should be able to do something like that. And I think three months is a, a good goal where you can see a significant amount, uh, spend a, enough time on the road where you'll really get immersed, uh, but you don't necessarily have to commit your whole life to it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's great because I think a lot of people get carried away sometimes with with, with the permanence of it. And, and as we've been saying, it's it's not permanent and...
1: Well, you know, in the last couple months, or I say in the last year, uh there's been quite a few people who started traveling full time, uh, who've stopped. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because it it does become draining after a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad I did it. It was an amazing experience. It has uh given me opportunities that I, I never would have imagined, uh having this website and becoming a photographer. Uh but it's just not something I can do all the time anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most working travel writers or travel photographers don't live permanently on the road. So I, I'm pretty comfortable. I've developed a good travel resume and I think I can build off that.
2: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you said the next is the next trip Chile, or where's the next one?
1: Uh, well, the next one will actually be to Torangot Mountains National Park. Oh, yeah which is in the northern tip of Labrador in Canada. So that'll be in in August. And then from there, I'll uh, go to the Galapagos. I go to Toronto. Then I go to Chile. Mm And uh, then I'm not sure what I'm going to (laughs) do.
2: Work on your uh, photography course a little maybe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll
1: be in uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale for TBEX probably at the end of October. Mm -hmm. Then I go to Santa Barbara for... Uh, a conference at the beginning of November. Oh, and then I'm going to wake Island in December. <laughs> and for those who don't know what, where wake Island is, it is a tiny Island in the Pacific ocean. It is technically a U.S. territory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and no tourists have been allowed there in the last 10 years. And so there's a special charter flight I'm going to be taking wow. uh, that is going to be able to visit wake Island uh, for the first time in a long time. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: Wow. Gee, is that all?
1: <laughs> like I said, I'm cutting back.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to see you in Chile. I know that, so um, I guess until yeah, then. That's but the, I, uh,
1: the ATTA conference is yep. almost always one of the best conference uh, conferences I attend every year.
2: Oh, I'm I so happy S2. to hear that. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I was in um, Namibia, and last year was Ireland.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it.
2: Oh, I'm so excited. This will be my first uh, summit. So I'm really excited to go see it. To go. I think you'll enjoy it. I think I will. Um, yeah, so I I will, I will. guess I'll see you there. Um, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing. I'm not going to take up any more of your time, because I know you're busy. You have so no, many products right. to create and podcasts to produce, and I get it.
1: <laughs> oh, thank, thanks for having me.
2: Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks again to Gary for coming on the show and sharing that with us. I actually really liked that perspective because I think that a lot of us kind of romanticize long-term travel. And I mean, here's a man who's been on the road for eight and a half years. And basically we all heard him say that there's a lot of it that's really not conducive for you know staying healthy and getting things done. And um, it's just not for everyone. And so I'm feeling particularly challenged i guess as i'm looking forward to my own kind of long-term traveling that's coming up in september that's gonna you know challenge me to do the things that i want to continue doing with my current lifestyle the things that i want to take on the road with me so it was really kind of interesting to hear gary talk about some of those things i hope you guys had some good takeaways there um you're gonna be able to find the show notes to this episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com 51 I'll have links there to Gary's site um, and as well as some of the, just recap some things that we went over today. So that will all be there. And we'll see you again next week for some more long-term travel talk. <laughs> have a good week, you guys. See ya.